going. Okay. <sighs> You're looking for 16? 16 baby porn. Here we go. What are we going to do, Neil? Hey, it's producer Neil. It's our two-year anniversary here at Spacing Radio. So, the other day, Gwen brought me out on a little field trip. All right, we're in a nice little leafy hamlet in the west end of Toronto. Neil's going to rock the vote. What do you think about when you go in to vote for a provincial election? Uh, I, uh, I just hope that I fill the little circle incorrectly and don't uh, invalidate my... Uh... <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. I think it's there, buddy. Not there. I probably can't come in with you. I don't know. You can see. You yeah. Can I'll just wait here. I walked up the steps of a local church to cast my advanced polling ballot while our mastermind and steadfast host waited outside. Hmm. See, I already voted. That's how on top of it I am. I don't know what this neo-clown's doing. Pretty much made him do this. I guess I should feel grateful. Hope this is good content. No one really knows. I had never voted prior to actual election day before. But if you've made your mind up, I highly recommend it. Oh, here he comes. No lineups. There he is. No pressure. How'd it go? Well, you know, it had its ups. It had its downs. But in the end, it got done. As we left... We chatted politics and media coverage of the election. Sometimes I get excited, you know, professionally, because there's, like, so much to cover. Yeah. And, you know, if you... There's a lot of ground to cover, and maybe you haven't made up your mind yet. Maybe you need a little time to ruminate on your options. How do you keep everything, uh, like, on track in your head? Like, how do you, how do you keep track of this all? Maybe you need a little information. We got you covered. This is Spacing Radio. We are boiling in the broom closet of 401 Richmond Street West, Toronto, Ontario. I'm Glenn Bowerman, and you're listening to the official podcast of Spacing Magazine. Until the provincial election is over, there's not much sense talking about anything else, so talk about it, we shall. And there's few better to talk Ontario with than TVO's John Michael McGrath. He has a twice-weekly column on TVO.org, as well as a weekly podcast charting the election from Toronto to Fort Francis. I ask him what the provincial election means for Ontario's cities, large and small. Advanced polls are already open, so please do stand by.
John Michael, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. No problem. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, I was hoping to give our listeners a kind of lay of the land uh, in terms of uh, what this uh, provincial Ontario election is going to mean for Ontario cities, large like Toronto, uh, mid-sized like uh, Hamilton or even Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, so uh, let's let's start with uh, Toronto just because that's where we're, we're talking from <laughs> and it's, it's easy to get the ball rolling and... Uh, what have the parties been saying in terms of uh, transit expansion, uh, maintenance, you know, that kind of thing? Well, so you've got the New Democrats who have promised to uh, provide 50% of the operating subsidy for uh, transit systems all across the province. But realistically speaking, that's a, uh, a, a huge chunk of that money would just be going to Toronto right. um, just because of the nature of, I, I forget the exact numbers, but you know, a, a, a huge share of all of the transit ridership in uh, the Greater Golden Horseshoe is just the TTC. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would restore a funding arrangement that had existed until 1995 when Mike Harris and the Progressive Conservatives came to power. Uh, they cut it and it has never been restored. Mm-hmm. The NDP are promising to. Uh, Doug Ford and the Progressive Conservatives have uh, pledged to upload the city's subways and uh they would then take on the role of um funding the subway expansion doug ford of course very very fond of subways not as fond of um light rail plans mm-hmm. um, so i've heard <laughs> and then you've got the the liberals who have i think it's fair to say have focused a lot of their work in the last 4 years on the go system um they have put a ton of money into um what will eventually be uh a, a much more frequent go rail service uh, throughout the region. Uh, they also, just before the House rose um, and the, the election formally began, uh, they also announced funding for the downtown relief line um, in, in downtown Toronto. Right. Um, speaking to the uh, uh, the NDP pledge, uh, that that's significant to me just because uh, a lot of governments, especially provincial governments, uh, uh, they they like to make pledges in terms of capital spending, like building new projects, a, a new subway line or this or that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think we've heard anyone really talking about uh, provincial funding of the operating costs, just the day-to-day costs of running a line um, until this, this election. So that, that's kind of significant. It has been a um, perennial NDP promise. Uh, they certainly, uh, it was part of their pledge in uh, 2014, um, and, and it's been the kind of thing that New Democrats have talked about uh, for years and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Miller, when he was mayor of Toronto, I remember being in council chambers, and you know he was he would say things like, we're grateful to the provincial government for helping us to uh, build a transit city. Now we need the money for to actually operate it. Um, that was when the Liberal Party was helping build Transit City. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and getting to uh, to the Ontario PC's plan, Doug Ford's plan, uh, he, he says, uh, you know, when people asked uh, how, how his plan compares, uh, he says, well, we're going to build more. Uh, but uh, he's also promising to cut spending, so... Yes, that's going to be a hard circle for him to square. Yeah. Um, there is some... Uh, some accounting voodoo you can work, um, and, and you know, accounting matters a lot <laughs> in provincial budgeting, and so the theory, as it was laid out 
in the People's Guarantee, the platform document that Patrick Brown uh, released that is now, we think, mostly defunct, but who knows. Um, the theory that was laid out in that document was basically that the province would take the subways and book them as like an actual asset, uh, like property, um, that the provincial government could then borrow against. And um, that would, in effect, make it easier for, and, and, you know, air quotes, more affordable for the provincial government to spend the large sums needed to build these these big subways. Um, the catch has always been, certainly when Tim Hudak proposed this, when he was PC leader, um, that the TTC doesn't want to lose control of the subways. Mm-hmm. The, the subway really forms the backbone of the municipal transit system. And, you know, and again, I'm, I'm going back to 2014 experiences. Uh, then TTC chair Karen Stintz said it was a terrible idea because it, it would basically just break the transit system. So the Tories have now said, uh, again, this is, I have to caveat this by saying it's, it's in the people's guarantee and we don't know how much of this still applies. Right. But, um, the, you know, the Tories said of that pledge, they would still leave the TTC operating the subways that um, they would effectively have the same agreement that the TTC has on uh, the Eglinton Crosstown, where it's being built and financed by the province, but the TTC will be the operator. Right. Uh, and yeah, the the liberals, uh, as you say, uh, a lot of work on the GO train. Uh, they have promised to to fund the downtown relief line down the road, I think, right? Uh, um, but also, uh, they they have been focusing a lot in their tenure uh, on uh, regional uh, transit uh, and sort of stitching together the sort of uh, census metropolitan area yeah. uh, that we call Toronto, but includes Brampton, North York, Florida, yeah, as far yeah. north as Barrie, if you want to. Yeah. Um, so what what kind of movement uh, are they promising on, on that and sort of stitching together this region? Well, and this is, I think, where we start to pull out from the focus on Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the uh, projects that you will start to see real, you know, real passengers on in the, the, the somewhat near future is uh, the uh, Waterloo Region light rail line. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has been in the works for years and like they're starting to test vehicles on the actual rails. It's like it's uh, for a region that has seen a lot of transit plans and we don't always see them come to fruition. It's, it's encouraging to see that um, get started. Uh, Mississauga and part of Brampton uh, will also be seeing an LRT line. Um, that's a bit further down the road um, and has been slightly derailed, pardon the pun, uh, due to the, the city council politics in Brampton itself. Not not too different from what we've experienced in Toronto. No, no. You know, at the end of the day, we're all the same people. <laughs> and uh, I mean, there was an interesting little wrinkle there that uh, former Premier uh, Bill Davis um, came out strong against the uh, proposed route of the LRT line that was going to go into um, sort of historic downtown Brampton. And... Um, Various alternative routes have been proposed, but nobody has proposed something that will actually work yet. The Liberals have uh, pledged a billion dollars to fund uh, another light rail line in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, there, the politics are really tricky. Where seems in in dubious battle, kind of. Yeah, I mean, so Andrew Horvath got herself into some hot water. Um, I guess God was that already. 
a week ago, <laughs> um, saying that uh, while she personally supported the light rail line and wanted to see it proceed and, and that her party supported it, um, if a council vote uh, goes against it, uh, she, she wasn't going to necessarily um, claw back the billion dollars that have been pledged if council was going to propose a, a, an alternative use for transit for that billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the liberals have been much more um, uh, direct that they, you know, they want this money to go to the light rail line. Right. What's um, their plan? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, 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 and well, in conjunction with the I, I would say that the, the, the liberals did not, um, they were not super early adopters right. <laughs> um, for the Hamilton Light Rail plan. There was a, a long debate uh, in Hamilton, uh, particularly um, under the previous council with the previous mayor. There seemed to be uh, a lot of uh, advocacy for instead improving the um, all-day-go connections. And the the, the previous mayor uh, was, was a, a big LRT skeptic. Yeah. And um, with the council that has been elected since 2014, there's been, uh, again, with leadership from uh, the current mayor, Fred Eisenberger, uh, there has been uh, a lot more uh, advocacy for LRT, but they still seem to be having a really hard time closing the deal in the same way that, you know, <laughs> Toronto has never stopped debating uh, transit, right? Um, And we're going to have to see not just the results of the provincial election, but the the results of the municipal election uh, coming in October to see what the fate of the Hamilton LRT is. Uh, The PC's platform on that, I can't imagine, is super gung-ho about the idea of a light rail line. Doug Ford has said um, two things, I guess. Uh, One is that... He has no problem with LRT lines outside of Toronto, um, so he he doesn't want to spook potential Tory voters in places like uh, Waterloo or Ottawa, where um, these LRT lines are going to be opening soon. And um, in certainly in Ottawa, uh, the the issue is not uh, LRT or not; it's how quickly can they go to the next phase right. and get the funding allocated for the next phase. And so Doug Ford has said he, he doesn't have a, a huge problem with uh, LRT outside of Toronto. Uh, in the case of Hamilton, though, he has also said, you know what, if they want to go another direction, they can still get that billion dollars. I want to switch to housing. Because it's yeah. another major uh, topic that uh, affects cities of all sides. Um, I first want to flag uh, something, even though... It, you know, it's something Doug Ford had said, uh, was caught on tape saying, uh, sort of suggested before the tape came out uh, in in an interview uh, in the Globe and Mail, uh, sort of directly after he won the uh, candidacy. Uh, you know, his, his plan was uh, to <laughs> sort of develop the, the green belt, uh, which a lot of urbanists and environmentalists, uh, e- even even people on the, the Ontario PC party have argued in favor of having a, gr- a green belt. Uh, so he that was either, even kind of out of line with his own party, but uh, you know he since said that uh, that was I listened to the people and uh, we're not going to do that because you've made your voices clear and and we don't well, want it's maybe the last element of the liberal policy agenda that is incredibly popular. I mean maybe full day kindergarten, but like the green belt gets absurd levels of approval, like 80, 85%, that kind of thing. When you ask people, they love the green belt, they want to keep it. And 
when it happened, when the tape came out, I had to say, say like, as much as, you know, Doug Ford is still relatively new at provincial politics, this is like, this has got to be one of the first things you learn as a, as a political candidate. It was, it was a surprise to me to see him uh, step in it as deeply as he did. Don't trash the green belt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing he said that was part of it was not only, you know, and, and again, he, he did change his mind, but not yes. only did he intend to develop the green belt, but uh, he wanted to develop it with uh, single family homes. Yeah. And uh, we deal with that a lot in Toronto when we talk about the yellow belt, the sort of large swaths of the city that are uh, underdeveloped given the size of the city that we are in, and given the, the amount of density that uh, certain neighborhoods, uh, largely in the inner suburbs, uh, could accommodate. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to to flag that as well, that like a, a plan that uh, is going to solve a housing crisis like we have in, in, in sort of the GTHA, it really shouldn't revolve around single family homes. That's not really going to crack that nut. Yeah, there's a few things that I think are important to keep in mind. One is that um, I don't think now I'm not a realtor, nor am I a developer. Um, but I, I tend to watch this stuff pretty closely. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that the market is moving towards single family homes at the periphery of the region. Um, I, I think that if you want to crack the affordability problem in this region, you've got to figure out ways to make the already developed areas more affordable. That means more density. It also means more transit, you know, as I, Jennifer Keysmat is is fond of saying, like, if people can go from two cars to one car in a household, that's a huge savings. Mm, absolutely. Um, so, on on the one hand, I think that the the, the proposition that we are going to solve the affordability problem by um, developing, you know, new subdivisions out in the green belt, I, I, I think fails on the the test of where the market is going but i i do think and i just published something on uh, tvo.org today uh where i was speaking with uh david coletto of abacus data and one of the things he said that was really interesting was that when doug ford said that or at least when when the video became public the people who were least opposed they weren't they still weren't very supportive of the idea but the people who were least opposed to the idea of developing the green belt were uh, basically millennials, 18 to 35 voters. And he said, like, you know, it, it wouldn't have been a winning issue for the Tories by any means. But for a larger chunk of younger voters than you would suspect, they looked at that and they said, if it means that I get to uh, afford a home in the GTA, then I'm for it. Um, and, you know, it was just it, it, because housing is this incredibly... Um, uh, core issue to young voters, especially the centrality of housing, um, whether you are renting and, you know, your, your rent is, is going up, uh, you know, obviously the, the liberals have brought in rent control, but it's still incredibly expensive to rent in the city. Mm -hmm. Or if you uh, own and you're worried about the interest rates going up, or if you want to own and you uh, are worried about being able to afford uh, you know, this is such a core issue. And one of the things that um, David Coletto said to me was that no party has made this like their core message to young people. We've seen stuff about, uh, you know, prescription drugs or childcare, and those are sort of easier deliverables. But tackling the housing situation is going to take uh, a 
so much more than what any of the parties have really committed to. Right. And uh, as far as like the province's purview, I don't want to get into uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the former OMB, now the LPAT. Yeah. Uh, LPAT, yes, the Land Use Planning Appeals Tribunal. Uh, we can also have a debate about uh, to what extent housing supply uh, sort of lowers prices. Uh, we won't for this <laughs> purpose. But uh, what's, what's sort of undeniable is uh, what does help uh, lower income people who are looking for housing is if you intentionally build or, or uh, you know, uh, fund uh, social housing, yes. uh, that kind of thing. So what, what are the parties saying in terms of in very intentionally low income or social housing? The liberals have committed uh, both funding and provincially owned lands to to help build uh, more affordable housing as part of the uh, federal liberals uh, national housing strategy. Um, the new Democrats have committed to building many thousands more affordable housing units uh, on top of that goal. And I forget the the dollar figure that the NDP pledged to this, but it was it, it was a substantial you know, upping the ante relative to what the liberals have committed to. Right. Um, the progressive conservatives, I mean, we sort of have a big question mark as far as what their affordable housing policy is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there were commitments in the People's Guarantee, if I remember correctly. Um, again, like it's just, and I don't, sincerely, I don't mean to make it sound like they, they've proposed nothing, right. um, but we just, we don't have a, 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 a clear statement of what they would do. It hasn't been a big campaign issue for that. For Not that yet. To date, yeah. Yeah. So something that uh, I've seen in the news uh, and in polling and, and on, on your program, uh, the Agenda on Politics, uh, is that... Uh, the 905 tends to be a, a big battleground region. Yes. And that uh, polling seems to indicate that in the 905, it's now a sort of two-horse race between the PCs and the NDP. That seems to be the case. Um, the polls really do disagree on where, <laughs> how big the gap is between uh, the progressive conservatives and the NDP. Um, but it, it seems to be that the Tories are still ahead in the 905. Uh, the NDP, if you believe the polls that show the NDP closest to, uh, well, I guess we had one this week from Ipsos showing them just one point ahead of the, the Tories uh, province-wide, that's where the, you know, that, that's the kind of poll that shows the NDP really challenging the Tories in the 905. Mm-hmm. There's reason to take that with a grain of salt. And I, I say this meaning no offense to <laughs> Ipsos, but um, you know, all of the history we have suggests that the Tories are going to do very well in the 905, so long as the liberals are in their current low ebb in the, the low 20s. If the NDP start winning in the the sort of the outer suburbs around Toronto and and you know here we mean sort of York region Durham region Peel um, there are some places you could see um, you know Mississauga Brampton there there are some seats where the NDP might uh, unseat some liberals up until earlier this week I would have said Durham region there were some good seats I don't know personally how the current sort of controversy about the NDP saying that they would 
look at shutting down the Pickering nuclear reactor uh, early. Um, right. It's it's slated to be closed in 2024 anyway. The NDP have suggested they might look at closing it early if that was going to save money. Um, I don't know how well that plays in, in Durham region. I would expect it to be sort of mildly unpopular because yeah. you're talking about thousands of jobs. And, and I guess uh, I wanted to ask, I mean, we're, we're both a similar age, so we uh, we were quite young uh, when uh, when the Liberals first came into power 15 uh, yes. years ago. Yeah. Uh, but uh, love them or hate them, uh, you know, a 15-year tenure is, is a, a heck of a thing. Yeah. And uh, it has been a period... Uh, especially in urban regions uh, of of growth of building, yeah. you know. Uh, so, what what do you think happens uh, to those plans? Uh, given, uh, you know, let's say a, a Horvath government or a Ford government, uh, do you, uh, is it typical for a new party to just sort of clean slate, as happened when Rob Ford became mayor of Toronto? Uh, that we're not going to do that old guy's plan. We're going to do my thing. Or uh, do you think they sort of play ball with what's already on the court? So before I answer that, Mm -hmm. I do want to back up just one second and say one of the stories of the urban growth we have seen in the GTA or or the Greater Golden Horseshoe, if you want to put it that way, Mm -hmm. uh, that I think is really interesting is the extent to which the liberals have sort of manufactured their own voters. And I think of places like... um, the uh, Milton being a, a case where um, they have created, I would say, more, um, and part of this is demographics, but they've created more sort of um, newer, more diverse places in areas that had traditionally been more conservative friendly um, seats. And they flipped a bunch of seats in the 2014 election because of that. Uh, so, you know, they, they flipped the seat of Halton, which is, you know, Milton has since been broken out in the the latest seat readjustment, mm-hmm. uh, but they also flipped Burlington, which had been held by Tories forever, um, and that seems to have broken for the Liberals. Like the the, the machine broke, and it's not doing that this time around. Right. Um, and and I just think that's an interesting story, and I, I, maybe I will write about it someday. <laughs> but I, it's it's something that I wanted to share with you. Um, as for the question of what happens next, I mean, I think with a Ford government, I don't want to quite be alarmist about it, uh, but I think it would be fair to say that, you know, all options are on the table, right? The Tories, well before Doug Ford became their leader, the Tories were not huge fans of Metrolinx as an agency, for example, right? right? They had lots of criticism about uh, the way Presto has been handled, the way that various uh, capital projects have been managed by Metrolinx. And so even if you, you take Doug Ford out of the picture, could I imagine a scenario in which the progressive conservatives form government and they just clean house at Metrolinx and decide that it's time to just start from a blank sheet of paper? It doesn't sound crazy to me. Mm-hmm. With the NDP, I think it would probably be more measured. They, you know, they are certainly not hostile to the green belt. They are not particularly friendly with the developers who are hostile to the green belt. Right. Um, the the transit plans, you know, as Andrea Horvath has said, even as she muddied the picture slightly when she said that Hamilton might be able to keep their billion dollars, she strongly supports the LRT. Hamilton right. New Democrats strongly support the LRT. Uh, there are specific issues about you know implementation you know they're not fans of public private partnerships uh that the liberals have really used to deliver these transit projects um 
but they don't have you know they don't object to light rail in general or any of the the specific projects that are underway mm-hmm. and finally uh you uh you write a weekly column a twice weekly a column twice and a weekly, weekly podcast column. right yes. uh and this this is Maybe your Christmas or maybe the, the worst uh, couple months of your life. Uh, How Super are you Bowl. Holding up? Right, Super Bowl. <laughs> How are you holding up? I knew it was going to be a weird election. Uh, I have been saying for, I, would, I, I think, more than a year now that this was going to be a weird election and that I would have believed anything from conservative majority to NDP majority. Right. Um, just because, you know, it was it was obvious a year ago that the liberals were we're going to be in for some really rough waters this time around. Um, I didn't necessarily think that they would fall to third in the polls, but it was going to be a tough one. Mm. And in that kind of an environment, anything can happen. Um, it has been even weirder than I expected. I did not uh, expect uh, Doug Ford to be um, potentially the next premier though. You know, once Patrick Brown left the scene, that became a very, very clear possibility very early on. Uh, And now it's just, you know, we are, I guess, as we record this, we're, we're 15 days away from voting day. And uh, I'm just, uh, just trying to hang on and and see what happens next. Okay. Uh, John Michael, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. How can people find you online? Uh, I am on Twitter at JM underscore McGrath. Uh, They can find all of my columns at TVO.org. And we are uh, online. Our podcast, uh, The Agenda on Politics, is available on uh, Google Play and iTunes. I uh, love the podcast, uh, and uh, you know, for people who are not from uh, urban regions who are for some reason listening to this one, uh, <laughs> he does cover all of Ontario's uh, battlegrounds, so uh, do tune into that. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks so much. And that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this podcast, please tell your campaign team, your returning officer, and Doug Ford. He won't listen to it. I, I just think it'd be funny. As always, a like, share, subscribe, or rating on iTunes will help us reach new listeners. So please, give us a hand if you've got the time. I make this podcast with Neil Hinchley, who composes our music. And you can find his music on SoundCloud at Track82. That's all spelled out. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or scoops, don't hesitate to tweet at Spacing Radio, that's all one word, or email me at glennbowerman at spacing.ca. That's G-L-Y-N-B-O-W-E-R-M-A-N at spacing.ca. Visit our website at spacing.ca or visit our city store at 401 Richmond Street West in Toronto where you can pick up our latest book, 25 Toronto Transit Secrets. In the meantime, go do that voting thing. Cheers. Cheers.